It's time for Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. And now your host, Doug Murin. Hey, welcome to the show today. We've got a uh, an interview, and I've got a small meditation at the end of the show I want to share with you today uh, as we move into some uh, important material today with a, a gentleman named Chris Pepler, a pastor who's also a substance abuse expert. Uh, and I think it, uh, whether you have those issues in your family or not, I think the information is going to be very helpful and uh, hopefully affirming for you. So thank you for joining us today. And uh, get out a pen and pencil and get ready for a great show. Folks, on the phone, I have Chris Pepler, who has been on the show one other time. Chris works a lot with uh, people dealing with substance abuse and getting over substance abuse, which is better than just dealing with people with substance abuse. And uh, welcome, Chris. We're glad you've joined us again. You're a pastor in the Everett, Washington area, right? Yes, Doug. Thanks for having us on. I pastor the South Everett Foursquare Church on Casino Road. Cool. One of my favorite groups. And uh, you know, you know, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go ahead and brag on the air a little bit. How many Foursquare churches do you think I started? Help start. Oh, I don't know. I know at least I know I know of Eastside Foursquare. I'm not I'm not sure of the others. Eighty three. Eighty three. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Sent out eighty three, helped eighty three people start all, all over the world, by the way. All in Europe and everywhere. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm ti- just saying that made me really tired. <laughs> that's that's too much. Okay. So you're working with people dealing with substance abuse. Tell me, we don't know let's say people listening may not know how to help somebody who is dealing with substance abuse. And uh, we both know that one of the first things that happens is people who sometimes intend to be helpers become not helpers, but in fact, what we call enablers. Why don't you talk to us a little bit? Because, you know, a lot of us have a lot of concern about this. Some of us are frankly upset with people around us that are abusers. Help us, because I know you know a lot about this. I've been, I, I know you do. I've tracked what you're doing. And uh, talk to me a little bit about helping someone who is an abuser of uh, chemicals or alcohol. How, what, what, what are some of the things that keep you from being an enabler? Well, foundationally, Doug, when we're enabling our loved ones, we're allowing them to continue on in their addiction. We're acting codependently. Uh, and to be codependent means that we are co-signing on the emotions and the behaviors of our loved ones, just like we might co-sign on a loan. And if they default on their emotions or the behaviors, if we're acting codependently, it means that we default with them. Um, so if we believe that our well-being or even our survival is tied to their well-being or survival, we will do things that aren't healthy for us or healthy for our loved ones. Uh, and it's important to note that we rarely enable those we don't care about. So when we're talking about being enablers, uh, I'm a recovering enabler. Um, it's something that is in me. It's in most of us. And so it's not about ridding ourselves of it as much as it is managing and being aware of when we are acting codependently. But simply put, codependence can simply be thought as overloving another person. Overloving. And a fatal mistake. Uh, that, that's interesting. Yeah. You can actually overlove somebody. Right. I think it, it simply means that we're going to do everything in our power to keep that person from ever experiencing pain or adversity. Uh, but we forget that pain and challenge are our best teachers. Uh, ah, fact, so that's uh, the starter. Lewis, that's the starter 
when you want to make sure another person doesn't suffer and you get in the way of that, you actually inhibit their growth. Am I right? Right, yeah. C.S. Lewis says that pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world. The Bible makes it clear that uh, when we go through difficult situations, we get stronger. Uh, When we get stronger, our character is strengthened, and hope is the resolve of that. And so I've got some things here. Uh, We can continue the discussion on how to enable people specifically and what not to do if you want to stop enabling people. Cool. Let's hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that the the first thing, if if we want to enable uh, a loved one, we're going to never tell them no. We're going to say yes to them all the time. And that comes from an assumption that our loved ones are going to ask things that are good for them. Uh, And so to never tell somebody no is a great way to enable somebody. Okay. Okay. And then uh, secondly, I would say that uh, if we want to enable people that we're going to take responsibility for their poor behavior, we're going to bail them out. We're going to pay their debt. Uh, we're going to make excuses for them. Uh, we're going to make excuses for their behavior. We'll tell people, well, they didn't mean it, or they were just having a hard day, or actually it was my fault, or I shouldn't have had, I shouldn't have done something, or it was up to me. I should have done something differently. So so kind of inter- interrupting the consequences of poor treatment of other people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um Another thing we do sometimes is that we try to take control of that person's behavior. We might take their substance away. Uh, We might take their keys away. We might take their checkbook away. But until somebody is actually ready to make a change for themselves, uh, it doesn't matter how many times we try to take something away from them, they're going to find a way to get it back. Right. So what do you do? What would you do in that case? Part of walking alongside somebody in recovery, uh, probably the most difficult part is watching somebody hit rock bottom, which means that you're not going to allow for their bad behavior. What you're actually going to do is allow for some level of pain to come their way that will actually convince them that it's time to change their behavior. Because anytime we want to change a behavior, it's going to be painful. But oftentimes we have to make sure that the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change. And until that equilibrium shifts, until it becomes more painful to stay like we are than to be different, we won't change. Hold it. Stop stop right there. I think that's pretty profound. Until a person realizes that the pain is going to be greater to stay the same than change, they aren't going to change. Correct. Wow. I can see that, though. It means that when we're walking with someone who's dealing with a substance abuse issue, to allow them to continue to sleep on our couch or to allow them to continue borrowing money, which they will never pay back, or continuing to support their habits by making excuses for them or never telling them no, what we're saying is we're afraid that pain is going to kill you, Mm -hmm. when in reality, the right kind of pain is going to be the pain that helps them get better. Wow. So it takes some nerve to help an abuser, doesn't it? That's hard to watch. It is hard to watch, and that's why it's important that we help each other. The hardest kind of abuser to help, the hardest kind of abuser to watch go through pain are the ones that are closest to us, Mm -hmm. our parents, our siblings, our children. And that's why it's oftentimes easier to team up with people. If you can help a friend's child, if they can help your parent, it's easier sometimes to take the subjectivity out of it, and we can provide the best kind of care possible. And it takes community. Ah, I think that's that's important. No one ought to try to work 
with a loved one who's an addict by themselves. That's that's what I Correct. hear you saying. They right. should they should acquire the assistance of a team of people. Am I right? Correct. And I've found a lot of healing in my own life, um, having been around addicts, in providing care for other people who aren't my family members. Uh, and mm-hmm. just the way I've seen God work is that when I take time to care for people that aren't directly family, it seems like others come around me who aren't family that can help my loved ones and those that I'm closest to. Uh, and that takes wow. trust. It takes trusting the God who put all this together in the first place. Which makes a case for really a home church or a local congregation being the most ideal setting for recovery work. Am I right? I would say so. Yeah, there are great yeah. ministries and organizations out there that do the primary work very well, but they they won't do it without the support of the local church, uh, without exactly. the support of people coming in to continue the care. Exactly. You know, I've started two clinics myself. I've developed them and worked with them, and both with local congregations. And probably the most challenging things I've I've ever taken on, but I I have come to believe that recovery work is a terrible business, but a great community project. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a tough job. Okay, we'll be back with Chris in a minute, but let let me uh, tell you about something that we do with what we call the Mirren Group. Uh, the radio show is one aspect of what we do. But if your church or you know of churches would like to get evangelism systems going in your church or an event, a live show, we would love to help you. And uh, we're good at it. I've been doing it a long time. I've been careful about getting out there again, doing it, but I've, I've been encouraged that I'm ready to go. And so we have a simple thing. We either do it on Wednesday, Thursday night, or on a weekend where we call it School of Evangelism. I can take 10, 15 people out of any church, hopefully more, a higher percentage of them, but and you can transform the community around your church with just a little bit of skill sets, just some basic skills on how to share your faith without feeling weird about it. So uh, if you are interested in that, just go to our website, Doug Muren Radio, and say, hey, Doug, we're interested in, uh, in some, some training stuff we want to do. And I have a little team comes with me, and, and it's very, very affordable, not a problem. So we'd love to do that. Again, if you would like to help sponsor the show, we, we uh, funding always helps. Gifts from listeners helps us do more than just the radio show. But we are also wanting to do some outreach uh, uh, radio shows in the areas that can't always afford the full team to come. But you can do that by going to our website. Uh, just go to, it's called Doug Muren Radio. That's all you do, DougMurenRadio.com. You go there. It's got a little donation area. You hit that, and it'll go through PayPal. Very safe way to give and contribute. And for everyone who gives a gift this month to help us uh, with Airtime Out, we're going to send you a Bible by a group called LifeNet. It's a study Bible. It's a great study Bible. And it's hard copy, you know, software. It's a software company. You might want to check them out, by the way, LifeNet. It's a great, great company with great software you want to take a chance and, and look at. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show, and please do get a hold of me if you have interest. And now back to more Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. Okay, what's another? Give, give us some more. I, th- I think you're loaded with stuff I want to know about, buddy. Yeah, I would say that those are, those are some of the primary things. Uh, it all comes down, 
to asking yourself when you're helping somebody, is this the kind of help that is going to get them better? And am I okay with someone experiencing a certain level of pain in order to get there? Uh, that's, that's significant. And I know that for me, one thing I like to do is try to keep people happy. I'm a people pleaser. If right. we all take a really good look at ourselves, we value the input of other people. We want other people to feel good about us. And so I think another way to enable somebody, and this is less about what you're doing for them that you shouldn't be doing, um, as much as it is the attitude that we possess as those who are helping our friends or family members in recovery, is that we assume it's important for that person to be happy with us all the time. Just as hard as it ah. is to watch somebody go through pain, yeah. it's equally hard to watch a loved one get angry with us yeah. because we are going to do what we need to tell them to do in the first place, which is to say, no, I won't do that for you. No, I won't take responsibility for your poor behavior. No, I won't make excuses for your behavior. And I'm not going to try to control your behavior. All the solutions to walking away from enabling kinds of behavior run a high risk of the person who is behaving that way getting angry with us. And we have to get to the right. point where we're okay with them going through pain and we're okay with them being angry with us because right. in the long run they will come back to us when they're in a sober way of thinking and thank us for the hard love that we gave them. Uh, a pastor who was associated with Eastside Foursquare for a long time, Jerry Cook, said that acceptance is not agreement, and loving people isn't about being all permissive. So exactly. love isn't giving permission or enabling all the time. Love is saying the right thing to help that person succeed and sustain in the long run. At that moment. I think, I think too... I think one of the one of the thresholds for people who are not addicted is the level of lying that an addict will enter into. You know, yes, I I think that's I think that's what I've watched for me, brothers. When I've worked with addicts, one of the hardest things is to to deal with the fact that along with substance abuse comes with a greatly refined ability to lie. Right, just about anything. Yep. Uh, I remember mm -hmm. I was helping an NBA player who was uh, a three-time MVP guy who became a, a cocaine addict. In fact, he lived with me. And uh, he was got back together with his family, and his wife called me and he was using. And I, I actually kicked the bathroom door open. I'm, I I knew he was in there. There was soot from rebasing all over. And, and he, I said, what are you doing? And he looked at me, and he said, I was just seeing if I'd do it again or not. And I said, you flunked, <laughs> you've been past, get your stuff together. We're going back to rehab, buddy. And I put him in the car and, and you know, what was, what was really hard is his ability to try a lie had gotten to such a pitiful level that it was unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable, but that's what addiction will do to you. If it turns you into a liar and people who often try to help addicts forget that, an addict is the embodiment of a lie, isn't that true? Um, I would say that the behaviors that are associated with addiction yes. can create that because it's, it, it's an inability to tell ourselves the truth. Exactly. So a big part of getting freed up and moving on is embracing the truth about the situation. Is that right? Yep. And That's if you want to follow the 12 steps, They'll talk all yeah. about it. The first one is, is owning up to the reality that we are powerless to change our own situation. 
And there's great resources out there for anyone who's walking alongside someone who's an addict. Uh, Al-Anon is a really, really great resource. It's connected with AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's the support group for those who are walking alongside an addict. So Alcoholics Anonymous is for those who are in active addiction. Al-Anon is for those who are walking alongside those in addiction. There's Celebrate Recovery Groups, which have a faith-based foundation, and there's support there also for those who are dealing with codependent behavior. So if you find yourself as a codependent, it's nothing to feel shameful about. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's nothing to feel guilty about, uh, because we never enable those we don't love. Enabling comes out of love, and it's over-loving somebody. And so to step back to say, is it loving to allow you to do everything? Is it loving to make excuses for you? When we tell ourselves the truth, we say, no, that's not loving. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's going to be hard, too. We're going to have to walk through a hard process. The hard processes, according to Scripture, make us stronger when we entrust them to the Lord, uh, who gives us the power to get through them. Exactly. That's just, just great input. Now, now ta- tell me, do you have these groups at your church? Not not currently. We're, okay. um, we're, we're moving in that direction right now. We're outsourcing people. Okay. Uh, to other groups in our area, but anyone who's dealing with addiction, anyone who is in recovery, we are we are welcome, understanding, um, safe place for for people to come. Right. Uh, in fact, someone who's who's inviting more people to join us uh, for our weekend gatherings than anyone is is someone right now who's still actively in their addiction, and and they also deeply love Jesus, and those two things aren't mutually exclusive. We can love God and pursue mm-hmm. God and be in the midst of great pain at the same time. And as the local church starts to figure that out, that we welcome people in, and then we, we don't necessarily affirm everything they do, but we love them, Yeah, uh, that becomes a beautiful thing, because all of a sudden, all kinds of people that Jesus hung out with will start gathering exactly. with us on Sunday mornings. Exactly. And our, our our Sunday morning gatherings, or whenever we meet, will start looking a lot more like the first century church than they ever have. So do you have a website if I wanted to find you? Yeah, you can reach us at southeverett.org and uh, reach out to me directly at chris at southeverett.org and be happy to talk to you. I think some people are probably going to reach you. I encourage everyone, if you've got a loved one who's dealing with addiction issues in the Everett or Seattle area, Chris knows he knows what he's talking about. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on because I—, I, I this is this is such a serious issue in in actually all of America right now. It's the the addiction level is is an, untenable to me. I it, it honestly, quite honestly, keeps me up praying at night. I think it's just overwhelming when you just drive around Seattle. I don't know how you can drive around most of Seattle and not have your heart break. Even on the way into the studio at a couple of bus stops, clusters of clearly addicted kids to heroin. I mean, and and I, I don't mean just because they look different than I do. I, I mean, you can see it. This we, we need the grace of God to help us liberate people in our area. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You're always very helpful, and I'm sure we'll get you back on again, man. Thank you very much, Doug. Bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, uh, thanks uh, for joining us today. I'm sure you enjoyed Chris Pepler as much as I did. Again, if you would like to help sponsor the show, we, we uh, funding always helps. Gifts from listeners helps us do more than just the radio show, but we are also wanting to do some outreach uh, 
radio shows in the areas that can't always afford the full team to come. But you can do that by going to our website. Uh, just go to, it's called Doug Murin Radio. That's all you do, DougMurinRadio.com. You go there. It's got a little donation area. You hit that, and it'll go through PayPal. Very safe way to give and contribute. And for everyone who gives a gift this month to help us uh, with Airtime Month, we're going to send you a Bible by a group called LifeNet. It's a study Bible. It's a great study Bible. And it's hard copy, no software. It's a software company. You might want to check them out, by the way, LifeNet. It's a great, great company with great software you want to take a chance and, and look at. So I wanted to conclude with a little meditation, just a, a little story meditation for you. A lot of people say, how do you keep your faith vibrant and alive? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story. I was a young pastor struggling, just struggling, and, and I had a great supervisor named Dr. Roy Hicks Sr., and he was, he was from the hills of Tennessee, but a very intelligent, educated, smart man. And I, I called him up, and I, I said, I, I don't think I like this. I don't think that people like me. And, he said, <laughs> and I'll never forget, he said, people don't like anybody, Doug. And I said, okay. He said, let me tell you, here's a prescription. I said, what? 100 thank yous a day. Say thank you 100 times a day. He said, by the time you get through 100 thank yous a day, your faith will grow because faith grows out of thanks. So, you know, I thought, well, Philippians 3, 13, 14 sounds, that's what it says. Give thanks with a grateful heart, the Psalms say. So I, I began at that point doing that practice of saying 100 thank yous a day. I thank him for specific things. My car, I thank you for the carpet. I thank you. I'm actually breathing today. I thank you for my doctor. I thank you. I, I want to tell you, when you get through with 100 thank yous, it's amazing how different the world looks. And I found out later, years later, I did some research, and I found that when a person expresses gratitude, and thanks, there's literally a chemical reaction happens in your brain where you actually produce more serotonin, which is the chemical that makes you feel happy, makes you feel joyous. Guess what complaining does? It does the exact opposite. So I encourage you, the Bible knows what it's talking about when it talks about giving thanks as part of our vocation as believers. So here's my prescription for you today as we sign off. 100 thank yous today. They'll keep the doctor away. God bless you, and we'll be with you next week. Caught on Tape with Doug Murin is a listener and friend-supported program. Your help with the show and expanding the evangelism events of Doug Murin is appreciated. You can write Doug Murin, Caught on Tape, at 1806 5th Street, Wenatchee, Washington, 98801 or online at DougMurinRadio.com.